Given what I'm about to say, well, go ahead and report me to the bishop. But given my job, that may a bit be a bit harder to do than is usually the case when a preacher says something that we don't like hearing. So anyway, here it goes. I think it's time that we start giving some real serious attention to all those amazing four-letter words in English. And I'm not talking simply about hope and love. I'm talking about the words that we actually use once we're outside the walls of this church building, the words that end up being a part of everyday life for so many people. I don't need to list them for you. You've already pictured them in your mind, and you probably can't get them out of your mind right now. Common, everyday words that describe the lives that we lead. Now, here's an interesting fact. According to one source that I was listening to, 49 of the 50 most common used words in the English language belong to the very early days of English. Short, pithy, three, four, or five-letter words that have stayed with us for a thousand years. They were in use before the Normans came over to England in 1066 with their highfalutin French. They are words that simple people used in the long days of summer and the long nights of winter as they toiled and feasted and gave birth and grew old and died. What happened is that William the Conqueror went to England with his French-speaking friends and suddenly the old language was looked down on. Only coarse, uneducated people would use words like give and take and pig and horse and, well, all those other words that sometimes are more embarrassing. The royal court convinced people that those were the words of a vulgar people. And so the word vulgar itself came into our vocabulary. It originally referred to common people and their ordinary lives. Today, the word is even more notorious. Perhaps that's because as time goes by and with greater and greater sophistication, we want to distance ourselves as far as possible from common, ordinary people, lives, and words. If we're not being saintly, at least we say we've got standards. But hold on. That attitude of such high standards is not how saints are made. I've told you all about these four-letter words and their being called vulgar because the church today in the calendar commemorates Jerome, who died in 420 and who is chiefly remembered for translating the Holy Scriptures. The translation became known as the Vulgate, as some of you with Roman Catholic backgrounds might remember, because it was a translation into Latin, the vulgar tongue of the day, as distinguished from classical Greek. Now, Latin might sound like the furthest thing from vulgar that you can imagine, but in fact, the translation of the Bible that he wrote indeed made it accessible to more than a tiny group of scholars. In its own way, and in his own day, it was like, sort of like those English Reformation translations that came a thousand years later. It was the call of some people to lay out on the table a Christian story that people could understand. 
Now, if you think that the 16th century Reformation was the last time that the church was focused on how to interpret Christianity for the common person, then think again. It still happens. And hopefully is happening yet again in the relationship in this place between priest and parish. We can all sit at home and read Holy Scripture. But as you and I well know, doing so does not bring life to the body of Christ as community. As we've learned over this past year, we really do need community. We need to learn how to be in life-giving relationship with one another. I see Greg's coming to St. Peter's as some sort of catalyst as someone who can interpret the common, everyday, ordinary lives of widely disparate parishioners so that people begin making connections with one another and start forming themselves into the body of Christ that's united. We all gather, and we build upon our ordinary lives and our sometimes embarrassing stories, all those four-letter word moments, and we make sense of them so that we are then empowered to lead fuller lives. That's one reason my parish is called Rutgers. Greg may have had a great academic education, but his real talent will come in standing beside the ordinary, so to speak, helping those who struggle through illness, helping the joyous find ways to share their joy, helping those who are scared by death itself. You don't do that through abstract theology. You do it through relating the common events of life in understandable ways. How do we deal with the four and five letter word events of our lives such as birth and pain and love and hurt and death? You have called a rector to help this community make sense of those very words. Now, to make Greg effective in this work, you've got to let down your own guard. You've got to be willing to admit that life is made up of four and five literal word events. Be honest about where the hurt and the joy and the pain are. There are times that it's going to be hard for both you as parishioners and for Greg as rector. You live those moments together. Live through them in their very ordinariness and through doing so, you grow and support one another. Greg helps you see things about yourself that you might find uncomfortable. And you help him see what it's like to live outside the ivory tower of professional priesthood. Jerome translated the Holy Scriptures into a vulgar tongue. I might would say that our calling and the calling of any healthy parish is to translate the vulgar tongue back into something holy. Whether they consciously know it or not, the people who are outside these church walls are yearning for that very thing. They want some meaning in their lives, lives that so often feel so pedestrian. You come together as parish and priest to do exactly that. Show that everyday life is holy show that every life is lovely and show that this life can be a feast fit for God. Amen.